0: Welcome to the Greater Philly Church Podcast, where you'll learn to connect to Jesus and others through great teaching, inspirational stories, and relevant content. I'm Matt Manny, the pastor of Greater Philly Church, and my goal is to help you understand yourself, your relationships, and life in light of who Jesus is and what He's done for you. Thanks so much for listening. We're going to wrap up our series this morning talking about finding the happiness you've always longed for. And this morning's message, we're going to finish up With this series, we're going through the Beatitudes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we're finding that with each one of these different topics of finding happiness and finding joy in life, Jesus says, you want this, you want the reward, but here is the risk you're going to have to take. You want this thing, but you're going to have to go through difficulty to get it. And So as you see in your notes there, As by way of review, there's multiple statements we have there going back to where we first started with. If we want honor, we must learn to be humble. That is, the poor in spirit will get the kingdom of heaven. If we want comfort, we must learn to face our hurts. Learn how to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn because they'll be comforted. If we want influence, we must learn to use restraint. That is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Then we say, if we want justice, we must learn how to handle unfair treatment. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and they'll be filled. Then we go to the next one, we find this, if we want mercy, we have to show mercy. Then we see the next statement, if we want connection, that is connection to God, connection to other people. There has to be a purity of our heart. Then we saw last week, if we want fulfillment, we must be willing to make peace with people. In order to have a relationship with people, we must learn how to make peace with them. We're going to see this morning, though, with this topic, we're going to find there's four key decisions we can make to survive in the midst of suffering. And the the irony of it is this, is we all want to uh, have wealth, and we want to have health, and we want to have happiness, but to get to the point of having health, wealth, happiness, there's a lot of difficulties that we'll have to face. As you see here in your notes, you see, how does suffering lead to happiness, though? As we look, the the first uh, big statement we find is this. We'll pull up the statement, and we'll look at some scriptures here of what Jesus says. That suffering is guaranteed for doing both right and wrong. But only one of those things, only one guarantees a positive outcome, that is a reward. So we're going to look most, most at the first part there, obviously if you do wrong there's consequences for doing wrong. But what's difficult is when we do what's right and things don't work out, how do you handle that? There, in the Bible we see there's, there's the law of sowing and reaping, that you do something in one season and you reap it in the next, whether good or bad. We know that God says that if you obey me, if you follow my commandments, that I'll bless you. What happens when your life is like a Job situation where you're, you're not doing anything wrong, you're actually doing things right, and bad comes about? How do we handle that? Is there a positive outcome possible? Is there a reward? We'll look at these scriptures, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10, 11, and 12. We'll go ahead and put those up on the screen. You can look there in your notes or in your Bible. We'll go ahead and see that Jesus says that he wraps up this part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are you, happy, favored, satisfied, are you which are persecuted the word persecute means to pursue to the point of suffering to pursue to the point of trying to hurt somebody for righteousness sake for doing what's right for theirs is the kingdom of heaven there's this this circle it's coming all the way back around we found in the first message that blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is what the kingdom of heaven that is we claim ground we have a reward to come maybe not in this life but in the life to come if we will pursue these different attributes these different make these decisions as Jesus lays before us. In verse 11, it says, blessed are you that is happy, favored, when people, when men shall revile you. That is that when people just to look down on or say things against you, when they persecute you, again, pursuing you. When people say all manner of evil against you for whose sake? For Jesus' sake. In verse 12, then, he goes on then to say, rejoice and not just rejoice, but to go beyond that and be exceeding glad because great is your reward in heaven, where they persecuted the prophets which went before you. That is there. that there's this understanding that there's a, a brotherhood or there's a bond for going through difficulty. And when we don't give up, when we go through difficulty, we find a sense of maturity and growth and connection unlike ever before. What's amazing is as he goes through... Verse 10 and verse 11, he talks about the difficulty we face. But then in verse 12, he says, here's the command though, to rejoice in the midst of this. When we go through suffering, we've got some options. We can complain, we can get frustrated, we can give up, we can faint, or we can go beyond just surviving. We can actually thrive in the midst of dealing with suffering. We're going to look at this morning how we can go ahead and make these four key decisions. As we Uh, Before we get into those decisions, I want to look and and lay some groundwork for us to understand where we're coming from as far as a juxtaposition to say, okay, how do we make those decisions then and put ourselves on a proper footing? As you look in your notes, how do we most often respond to suffering? We see, first of all, there's, there's three different ways. The first two are not good ways, and the third way is really going to be our focus this morning. The first way is this, hype. We respond to suffering with hype. We find it's this. I pretend everything's perfect, however deep inside it's not. This is the person who you say, hey, how's it going? Oh, good, 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 really good. Yeah, but I, I, I heard from so-and-so that things aren't going good. Oh, no, 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 it's good, it's good, I'm doing good. And it's almost like they're trying to convince themselves <laughs> that things are good, but you know that they're not. The person who's almost emotionally disconnected from themselves, it's almost like they, they don't want to seem like they don't have their act together And so there's almost a sense of pride and a sense of uh, a lack of self-awareness because there's this immense hype. If they show weakness, they fear that you might try to fix them, correct them, or try to tell them to do something, or that you might shame them in the process. And so the response is with hype. The other flip side, the other extreme is hurt. It's this continual hurt of as you see here, I'm defined by my pain. My conversations revolve around how hard life is and how unfair it is. And you talk to people sometimes and you say, well, how, how's it going? Oh, it's terrible. You've gotten to the point where somebody, you, you know how things are going and you kind of just avoid them a little bit. Like, hey, how's it going? Never mind. don't respond. I know, it's going horrible, right, right, you know? And you, you don't really wanna engage people, why? Because it's always bad, it's always negative. These people are like vampires, they just suck the life out of conversations and situations because of this constant response. They live constantly in their hurt. They're, they're this victim uh, kind of situation. As you see here, these responses, whether for the hype or the hurt, they keep us stuck and constantly trying to avoid and dodge pain or dealing with the pain of our past maybe. So what's the answer? The answer then is the messy middle. It's called hope. To respond with hope. Hope says this, I acknowledge who I am And I acknowledge what my situation is, but I'll continue to lean forward and live forward and love forward regardless of how things are going on around me, that they don't define my choices and my decisions in life, that I can choose happiness. What's amazing and interesting is we say blessed, and the word blessed means to be happy. But if you think about our English word, the word happy means happenstance or happening, We derive from that word as well. So sometimes we find ourselves, if my circumstances are good, then I'll be good. But can we have a right standing and be happy even when our circumstances are bad? And we'll find there's four decisions we can make this morning. There's someone that has, uh, in the scriptures, has some incredible hardships and heartaches that he goes through. And we'll find that the Apostle Paul has some amazing insight for us. So as we find here, as you look on your second page then, what's the big idea that we're looking at here this morning? So what? The greater the risk that we're willing to take in suffering, that is willing to feel the hurt but continue to move forward. Deal with the pain but continue to take steps forward. The greater the risk that we're willing to take, the greater the reward will come about. If you're going through some really deep, dark waters right now, difficult circumstance, understand this, that God is allowing you to drive your roots down deep so that when the storms come that you won't waver and that you can stay where you are and have a sure footing. As we see here in our notes, we're going to pull from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 8 through 10. What's amazing about Paul's description here, he does just the same thing that Jesus did. He gives one statement, but then he juxtaposes that statement with another one. Here's our situation, but here's our response. Here is uh, what's going on around us, but this is how we can behave. This is what's taking place in the circumstances that aren't good, but here is a right response for us. And so we find, first of all, the first of the four decisions is this. Decide to not allow suffering to define you. Decide to not allow suffering to define you. As you see, there's a statement right underneath that point. Suffering can only reach you as far as you'll let it. That suffering does have limits. You find yourself, you say, I'm being pushed, and we'll see here, Paul says in a moment, he talks about pressure, and you can only let suffering get to you as far as you'll allow You Think about well, uh, Iron Man. You think about all the superheroes and Iron Man. He, the whole point of him and his power was to keep those shards of the material, the shrapnel, from getting into his heart. And limitations and suffering is the same way. We can protect our heart if we will allow ourselves to be careful to only allow it to get so far to deal with the suffering but not let it define us. We'll look at these verses. We'll put them up on the screen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says this, We are troubled on every side. What does that mean? That there's pressure, there's stress, there's tension all around you, but we don't have to be distressed. We can be stressed but not in distress. That is, suffering has limits. Think about uh, the tension we feel in life. We're going to talk more about tension when it comes to having answers in life. But without tension, our, our, our bodies would, would fall apart. Without tension, without uh, uh, the stress there, our vehicles would fall apart. You think about a rubber band. A rubber band can't go anywhere without some what? Tension. Playing the guitar this morning, those, those strings, there's an incredible amount of tension on those strings. And without having tension, I'll go ahead and try to play them and nothing will happen. When there's too much tension, they'll snap. But with just the right amount of tension, there's progress moving forward. A couple of verses we find here, and we'll see, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul, again, he's talking to some people, and he says that there's no obstacle, there's no testing, there's no difficulty that you will face that God will not allow a way for you to get through that. I just read a book this past week called The Red Sea Rules, and the, the subtitle was What God Got You Into, He'll Get You Out Of. So it talked about how God Pushed and he allowed the Israelites to get right there to uh, the one side of them. There was a big mountain, a big cliff that they couldn't get over. There was the Red Sea before them and the Egyptian army behind them. And right at the last second, when the pressure was mounting, God made a way and opened up the Red Sea and they walked through. What's amazing there is this is our uh, circumstances, they're not unique. Now, you and I, we're very unique. We're, no, none of us are, are the same. But the circumstances we go through, God says to us, somebody else has made it through, and so you can make it through too. You say, well, where do I find those examples? They're all throughout the scriptures of people who went through incredibly difficult times, and yet God made a way for them. It wasn't easy; they had to go day by day, week by week, month by month, and and face some very difficult hardships, but they got through. Psalm one twenty-one verse three says this: He'll not suffer or allow your foot to be moved. He will keep you, he's not going to be asleep. He's not going to fall asleep on you. That God is watching. The second decision we have to make is this. Decide to live in the tension of uncertainty. When we have uncertainty, and I don't, this is mine, I'm going to ask you today to make a decision to pick one of these decisions. So to Decide to decide to decide. Decide one of these four decisions and say, that's mine for this week, or mine for this month, or this year. So I'm claiming this one's for me, for Matt Manning, that Scrubby-haired little kid that you saw there. If I would have known as a seven-year-old the things that I would face that I, pro- I would just say, I don't want to grow up. I'm going to be a, a lost boy in Everland, right? That's how, kind of how we want to live sometimes. But decide to live in the tension of uncertainty. I just see in your notes there, it's okay to not have answers. But we live in a society, in a world where everybody says, but you have to know, what are your plans? You ever find people asking you that? Well, what are your plans? I-, I-, I don't know. Well, why don't you know? Figure it out. Will you figure it out? Stop being so pressuresome to me. Leave me alone. We find Paul talks about this where he says, we're perplexed. We'll go ahead and put the verse up on the screen there for us. We are perplexed. We're at a loss for answers. Even the word perplexed means even to the point of embarrassment. And the reason why this is for me is because this this is my Achilles. This is my weak point. If somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer, sometimes I get tripped up and I'll just start making stuff up. You ever been there? You get back into a corner, and you kind of, kind of you feel the hair on the back of your, your, your neck standing up. You start to get a little bit red, you know, and you start making, making promises and just kind of pulling. I'm sure Wikipedia says, you know, you just start making stuff up. He says, we don't have answers, but we're not in despair. That is, we are not without hope for good and for answers to come in the future. Our kids, they're going through this process right now. And at times I get so frustrated because as they're going through school and learning things and learning their multiplication tables and learning how to read, at times I'll find myself going, what's wrong with you? Why don't you you know? And the problem is, is they're growing and they're maturing. And just as much as a child is maturing through the education stages of life, so too, you and me, we are growing and we are learning and God is educating us through this process, teaching us. And what's amazing is this, Sometimes in our lives when we pray and we beg God for answers, God's allowing us to go through a test so that we'll see what's within us. The teacher is silent when we're taking a test, right? The teacher says, we're going to take a test, no talking, they stop teaching, and you're put to a test. And you may be in a time right now where you're saying, okay, well, I don't have the answers for the test. That's okay, because this is not a, a pass or fail kind of thing. This is, do you want my presence with you or not? Will you lean upon me or not? We find then this, the third decision. Go from the second decision, live in the, uh, the tension of uncertainty. Number three then, decide what or who you're willing to forget. What's amazing is this. When we get pressured and when we find stress taking place and things happening, we all of a sudden, we begin to forget the fundamentals. I, I played sports in high school a little bit here and there. I can remember one of the hardest things for me in our, especially basketball, our coach had all these different plays that we had to memorize. No matter how hard I tried to memorize, as soon as I got out there in the court, I would try to focus, and people would be running past, and I'm trying to focus, and I'm trying to remember, and they're calling, like, all these different terms and different plays, and he's like, Manny, you're supposed to be, and he's saying stuff, and I don't know where I'm at, and it's confusing me because I forgot the play, and I forget the fundamentals, and we find this, there's a statement Suffering may undo you, but God will uphold you. Suffering will try to tear you apart and will will strip you of all the unnecessary things that are in your life. Eventually, we'll get to the place where we realize, this is what I need, and this is what I don't need. What God wants us to do is to remember who he is and forget everything else. We find there, he says in verse 9, we're persecuted, that is that we are pursued to the point of suffering. We're pursued to the point of being hurt, of being challenged but we're not forsaken. We are not deserted, left behind, or forgotten. If God has not forgotten you, so do not forget God. God has not left you behind, so don't leave God behind. What's amazing is sometimes, and I, I, I feel this temptation in my life, but I can't give in to it because I'm the pastor. Now, I don't want to go to church. God's honest truth before you. There's days that I don't want to go to church. But sometimes I, I've, I've been in situations where people say, I'm really struggling. And so what are you going to do? I'm not going to go to church. Well, And the idea is, if you're sick, where do you go? You go to a doctor. If you're hungry, where do you go? You go to breakfast. That's right. Thanks, Bev. When you have needs, where do you go? You go to a place to find those needs met. And he says here that we're not forsaken by God. Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the point when the earth passes away. In Hebrews, we find this, even an echo of that, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, God is not unrighteous to forget about you and what's going on in your life. And you may feel alone right now, and you may be suffering, and you may come to a point and say, I don't really equate persecution with suffering. But Jesus says, if you're trying to do what's right and trying to keep your nose clean, and trying to do what's right, I'm not talking about people, uh, the, the extreme of persecution is people over in maybe Asia or North Korea or, or in some of the Arab countries where people are being persecuted physically to the point of death. And what's hard is when we hear these verses, we find, well, that's them. That's not me. So we'll pray for persecuted brothers and sisters. But what about you and me? The problem is those are not maybe the sufferings we're dealing with. But what about tomorrow morning when you get into work and people start messing with you and start getting on you for stuff? What about when people start pushing you into a corner and saying, well, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this working out? And you feel that pressure and that tension to have answers and you don't have any answers. And you kind of feel the temptation to make stuff up. We find that God will not forget us and what's going on in our lives. Number four, then, we find this. We find decide who wins at the end of each day. Before a football game, before a sporting event, people will bet on the game to decide who's going to win. And sometimes people throw those kind of situations. But we come into a game, a sporting match, and we find that there's analysts and experts on both sides saying, this team's going to win because... These points. Well, this team's going to win because they have... But before the game, we don't know who's going to win until the the match is over, until the the ability has been tested for a period of time. But at the end of the day, you and I, we can make a choice to determine who wins. We find these words, and Paul says in the rest of verse 9, that we are cast down, but we're not knocked out. He says there, we're cast down, that is, we're knocked down, But we're not destroyed. That is, we're not knocked out. You can tweet it, you can write it down. Maybe you want to get it tattooed on your arm. That I may be knocked down, but I am not going to be knocked out. That God allows for us, we're going to trip and stumble and fall, but we can get up again. We can survive. We can get through these things. A couple of verses for encouragement for us. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, For a just man falls up to seven times and beyond, but he gets up again. And Psalm 37, 24 says, a person, though they fall, they'll not be utterly cast down. That is, they'll not be knocked out, for the Lord upholds them with his hand. And the writer here, David, says, I've been young. As a young man I saw this, and now as an old man I've seen it. That those who do right, that God does not forsake them, and their kids won't beg for bread. We find them Paul rounds out this thought with these words. He says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, Second Corinthians Verse 10. In the midst of suffering, we can find ourselves saying, I don't want this, I don't like this, I don't need this. I'm struggling and it's painful. But you know what's amazing is we can come to a place like this. We can come to a place where we've got ailments and we've got situations, we've got broken hearts and broken homes, we've got stuff that we're not really proud of, but we come on a Sunday morning and we say, We're going to worship God together anyway, that we're going to come to the table, that we're going to deal. We're going to acknowledge who we are, that we're weak, that we're broken people, but we're going to continue to stand up and get up and survive our suffering. There's a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis. He wrote a series of stories called The Chronicles of Narnia to teach kids some just uh, uh, lessons in more morality. and morality. One of the stories that he wrote was called The Horse and His Boy. The idea is, it's kind of a play on words there, it's about a horse that can talk, and so he needs to travel from one country back to his homeland, and this horse is, uh, is, uh, has been taken captive by another country, and so he gets away from his master who beats him, and so this horse comes along and finds an orphan boy, and he says, would you ride me so that people won't think anything different back to the country of Narnia? And so this boy agrees, and so the goal is for them to get from this foreign country to get back to the home country. And so as they're traveling, they find another companion, a young girl, and she rides a horse as well, and this horse, her horse talks as well. And as they're traveling, at one point, they come to the edge of a desert, and they begin to travel through the desert at nighttime. And as they're traveling through the desert, they can see off in the distance, there's a wooded area, and they can hear the sound of a lion roaring. And they become scared and fearful, and all of a sudden, this lion begins to chase them and begins to chase those horses. And as they're going on, they hear another, uh, another lion from another side and begins to chase them as they cross over through this, through this area, and they become very fearful and very scared. Another point in the story, they find they're traveling through an area, and again, they begin to hear and feel a sense that there's a lion close by. And this lion ends up coming after this young girl and, and claws her and scrapes her back and hurts her. And she ends up getting up, and the young boy takes care of her and helps her, and she gets off on her own. And finally, this young boy with, his, with the horses, he's trying to travel. He's trying to get finally back to this home country, to the land of Narnia. And he gets separated from the rest of the group, and at one point, he finds himself... With this horse, the horse is so tired and so scared, and just barely hanging in there. And the boy is reflecting that as much as his horse is weary, he's weary as well. And he finds that this lion then shows up amazingly enough once again and chases him up through the mountainside until he finally gets to his resting place, and he finally can get to where he needs to be, get to his home. As the boy gets off the horse from evading this this lion attack, he comes up through this mountain pass. And it's dark and misty. And he finds himself, he's so frustrated because he feels like he can't get back to where he needs to be. He's scared and he's all alone. And all of a sudden in, the, in the, the mist and the darkness there, he hears this deep breathing. And he gets a sense that it's the breathing of this lion once again. And so he backs away out of fear. And the lion comes out and it turns out that this lion is the king of the land of Narnia. His name's Aslan. And the lion comes out and he says... I'm here, you don't have to fear anymore, you don't have to be afraid of me, you're finally home, everything's gonna be okay, I'm gonna take care of you. And the boy begins to complain and say, but it's not fair because my parents left me and it's not fair because these lions chased us all across the land and it's not fair because I got separated from my group and it's not fair because my best friend had her back clawed by a lion and it's not fair. And here I am, I'm facing you and I'm confused and I have doubts. And the lion says, all those things may be true, but what are those to you? He says, all those things have happened, but here you are standing before me. And the boy says, but there's two lions that chased us across a wooded a desert area. And the lion says, it wasn't two lions, it was just one lion pursuing you. And he says, but what about the lion that clawed the back of my friend? And he says, that's between her And the lion, that situation, that has nothing to do with you. Don't worry about that. What about when the horse was without water and we were so tired and hungry and and thirsty and we were chased again by this lion? And the lion says, it wasn't two lions, it was one, it was me. That lion that attacked your friend that clawed her across the back, that was me. The lion that chased you and pursued you so you'd finally get home, that was me. I care for you and love you enough and you may not understand how the lion roars and how the lion works, but the lion is Jesus and he is in control and he is pursuing you and me through our suffering so we don't just survive, but that we thrive through it all. Ladies and gentlemen, we come here as a church and we get healed up on Sunday so we can go out on Monday to go ahead and love people and impact people so that we have a hope, not a happenstance kind of hope, but hope that says we will not give up. We will not throw the towel. We will survive through these difficulties. As you find here in your notes, the more we suffer, the less people see of us and the more people see Jesus. The more we suffer, the greater we connect to Jesus and the people around us. Paul writes these words. He says that I may know him and the power, the fellowship of his suffering. When we go through difficult circumstances, it's not a time to retreat and isolate, but a time to draw close to other people And we find those who go through suffering as well, we can go through suffering together, and causes a connection, a bond that cannot be broken. Our last statement here is this, that suffering reveals the reward we have in hope, not to give up. That suffering reveals this reward we have in hope, not to give up. I don't know what you're going through, but my heart breaks for you. But I know you may be going through some pain, you may have come out of a situation, you may be right in the middle of a situation, or maybe you're about to head into a situation you say, I don't have any answers, That's okay. You say, I feel pressure on every side, it's okay. You say, I messed up, I got knocked down, it's okay. You say, I'm at a point where I, I'm, I'm about to walk away from God. And you know what God says? It's okay. Because you can be knocked down but not knocked out. And you may forget me, but I will not forget you. And you may be without answers, but I will eventually give you answers. And with time, we don't have to deal with the hype or the hurt, but we can have hope in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope it was encouraging and inspiring. If you'd like to know more information about Greater Philly Church, you can go online to greaterphilly.church. You can also find information on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook about the church as well. I'd love to be able to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt, M-A-T-T, Manny, M-A-N-N-E-Y. I've also got a blog with great content that you can find more information about at mattmanny.com. I hope the message today helped you to understand yourself, your relationships, and Jesus better in light of what he's done for you. Thanks so much for listening.